ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Joining me now as promised, sports director from KTC TV3, Emmy Award winner Andrew Clay joins me this morning to have a chat. Andrew, good morning, man. How are you? Good morning, Scott. You know, I just saw the movie Coco the other day, and I don't know if you've seen the movie, but you know how they kind of do that yell in the in the uh, before they perform. I wanted to come on your show with one of those yells, but I chickened out. Go ahead, man. I mean, it's it's I, open form. Just I don't think out. I have one. Uh, I mean, I don't know. How's that sound? You know, Gray Leonard kind of does one when he does that yippee kaye yeah, yeah. before he comes on. It's sometimes so, it's a weird. He does a much better one. Whatever it is, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm a guy that yells hello, so I, I can't really talk. Well, hello, Andrew, and uh, welcome into the show, man. So um, I, I want to get your thoughts first about something that's been discussed the last few days on the show, and that is you're an Eagles fan, and the Eagles Ugh. rolling with uh, Nate Sudfeld in the fourth quarter of Sunday night's game, which left the New York media butthurt and many calling it a travesty. And I... Look, uh, from a viewing standpoint, it was not aesthetically pleasing. I didn't like it. But, oh, my God, the hyperbole coming off of it has just been ridiculous. All these think pieces and opinion pieces, and, 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 and they poison the game. It's like, guys, I, they're, they're, uh, Peterson can say whatever he wants. I mean, he's doing the best thing that he thinks is best for his team in the long run. Nobody grilled the Steelers for rolling with Mason Rudolph because – they already had a playoff spot locked up, and they're thinking about what's best for them. And guess what? Cleveland won the game by, what, two points? And as a result, Miami doesn't get into the postseason. So it's kind of just like I think it was a factor of the the Giants being left out, even though they were 6-10. and Because uh, if it was the Cowboys, I think more people would have made jokes. And that's not a knock on the Cowboys. That's just I think that the reaction would have been different. And, and just the fact that it was the only game on and it was Sunday night. But, like, the NFL, they, they got much bigger issues that they should tackle, whether it is, in my opinion, holding officials accountable, um, you know, the, the commissioner in terms of his power overall. Like, there are a lot of other things that the NFL needs to worry about as opposed to Doug Peterson's decision to do what was best he thinks long-term for his team. You can question whether or not it was, but that's what he thought. And, 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 and you know, crying about a six-win team not getting into the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the Giants just need to stop. Just just, just close your mouth and, and just stop. Because you're a six-win team. You lost to the Eagles during the season. Like, you want to get into the playoffs, win more than six games. How about you? Like, seriously. And, and with, with the, what the Eagles did, it's just uh, this season, I've never been happier that my football team is not playing in the playoffs. That their seasons are never been happier in my life because this season has been so painful to go through. And honestly, I think, you know, people don't want to believe Doug Peterson on the Nate Sudfeld thing. Well, here's the thing that whole, he wanted Nate Sudfeld on the field to get some reps. That's true. Like I get that people are upset, but that was, they knew that midweek that Nate Sudfeld was probably going to see some reps. They've had Sudfeld on this roster for a long time and they believed that he was a high end backup. They really believed he was a high end backup. And I think it was last season he broke his wrist or something like that. And that's why they brought in McCown. Um, but Sudfeld hadn't really seen any reps, any live game reps throughout his entire career. And they, I mean, they legitimately want to know what they have in this backup, 
But I think some of it too is I really don't think Doug Peterson believes in Jalen Hurts. I I believe that I, I truly believe Doug Peterson once Wentz out there. I think there's you know this whole idea that Peterson and Wentz's relationship is beyond repair. I think. Look, this is pure speculation, and, and this is obviously taking, you know, so many reports I've read and trying to piecemeal together something that makes sense to me. I think the Wentz-Peterson issue is I think Wentz was being lied to about his status as the quarterback, about what was happening when they brought Jalen Hurts in. And I think Wentz feels um, he feels lied to, and he doesn't trust the Eagles at this point. I don't know if Peterson once hurts out there. You know, it took so long for Peterson to take Wentz out when we knew Wentz was struggling so much for so many weeks, and yet they refused to put Jalen Hurts in. And when they did put Hurts in, yeah, he had a really splashy first half of that first game against the Saints, right? He had a really splashy first half. If we're being honest, Jalen Hurts hasn't been a great quarterback since. He... The more tape is on him, the better teams are defending him. I mean, he was, what, 7 of 20 for, like, 70-some yards when they pulled him from that game. And I know people want to say, look, they, their offense has a spark. They've got something going when he's out there. His, his legs out of dimension. Yes, you're right. His legs out of dimension. But if you can't throw the ball, I don't think Doug Peterson is interested in having a quarterback going out there winning with his legs. You know, Carson Wentz could do more with his legs than they don't. Um, I just – What's happening in Philadelphia is a mess. I'm surprised that they're all coming back. I really am. And, and I say this for one main reason. Philadelphia is in cap purgatory right now. They have a quarterback that is clearly unhappy, not make, you know, making $39 million. You've got a rookie quarterback that some people think highly of. Some I don't think think as highly of. You have a head coach that may be losing the locker room right now. You've got – Players taking sides with Hurts, players taking sides with Wentz. Like, it feels like a mess. And when you look at it and say, can we be better next year? I don't know if the team can be a lot better next year. They're not going to be able to bring in pieces. Their cap situation's a nightmare. So why not just wipe the slate clean and restart and rebuild and, and start over again? And I think that's what Philadelphia should do. I think at best you're looking at a 500 team next year unless somehow they can come out and look like the Eagles we expected them to come out and look like this year. But assuming that doesn't happen, you know, assuming that they're not magically the team we thought they were going to be, I, I just don't know where this, how this team gets much better, um, particularly without tearing down and, and rebuilding. And, but, you know, power to them. They're going to trudge on. I'm just glad the season's over. I'm glad the Eagles can be, uh, can, can't hurt me anymore this year. <laughs> Well, the the Saints can still hurt their fans, and if they don't win the Super Bowl, it's gonna hurt. Feels like it's the last. Sure, drive. my emotions aren't tied there. Yeah, no, you, you, you hey, just look at the positive. You don't have to deal with that anxiety. Of course, you don't have the exactly. Up, you, you don't have the upside of potential euphoria, though. The odds are stacked against the Saints, even though they're, I think, one of the deepest teams, maybe the deepest team left. But if I had to rank the teams in order, I'd probably go. KC, Buffalo, Green Bay, then the Saints in terms of what's left. And it's the playoffs. A lot of it depends on matchups. Are you going to play to your strengths? Who are you facing off against? And I think the biggest X factor, obviously, is COVID. And will it impact a certain team quite a bit come game day? Uh, with all that being said, though, Andrew, where are you at? I mean, if you were going to 
put a percentage odds on the Saints. Or I won't ask you to do that. Where would you rank the Saints in terms of, okay, of all the teams left in the playoffs, I would rank this team third, fourth, fifth, in terms of winning the Super Bowl. Where would you put the Saints among the 14 teams that are left? Well, I liked your rankings. If I was ranking teams top to bottom, I liked your rankings right there. Um, I, I, I do agree. I, I mean, Kansas City, I think, is a slam dunk choice. If I had to choose a team to win the Super Bowl, it's Kansas City. I mean, I don't know if there's another team that feels better suited. I like Buffalo. I like Green Bay. And I, and I like the Saints. Uh, but I do think, man, this is such a tough, com- a tough uh, conversation because, you know, the Saints, when they look good, they look unbeatable. It's when they don't look good that you, you, you fear for what they can do. I, I'm just not – I'm not a believer in that the Saints can make this late run. I, you know, I've said this for the last couple of years. You know, Drew Brees' numbers as seasons go on, they, they regress. Um, you know, part of that is, is clearly the age that he's just unable to, to have the same pop that he had. Now, you know, last year we said, look, he missed – or, you know, five weeks with the with the hand injury, and, and I thought he would play better in the, the, the postseason, but we really didn't get to see that. You know, the Minnesota Vikings came out and punched him in the face, and, and you know, Breeze didn't get a chance to see if he could go deeper into the playoffs. And one can make the same argument this year with the rib injuries. He had time off. Is he fresher at the end? I just really don't know what to think about what they're going to do. You know, the defense has played really, really well here at the end of the season. Ironically, I mean, it was all the talk at the beginning of the year was how bad the defense was, but they've become the best defense in the NFL right now. So I do think there's an argument to be made that they have the best chance to represent the NFC. I'm not sure there are any teams that I would feel comfortable picking over Kansas City. I, I was actually posed this question yesterday, you know, who I thought would win the Super Bowl, and, and it, it's the easy answer, and I don't like giving the easy answer. I'm a contrarian by nature. I don't like giving easy answers. Let I like me, to argue can, against the easy answer. Can, can, can I help you, Andrew? I don't I – mean, Sure. I, so if you look – now, we're, we're going to throw out Sunday, right, because the Chargers were – you know, the, the Chiefs weren't playing yeah. any of their they – rest, they rested all their guys. Uh, if you want to go deep, you could say, hey, that's a lot of rest when you factor in the bye week. But I would just look at – prior to that, they had won – uh, seven games in a row, I think. Or or they had won more than seven in a row. They had won like ten in a row. But if you looked at their last seven, they didn't win any of those games by more than six points. Um, they beat the Saints by three. They beat the Dolphins by six. They beat the Broncos by six. They beat the Bucks by three. They beat the Raiders by four. The Raiders, who weren't that good, who beat them earlier in the season. They beat the Panthers by two. Carolina's not very good. So they, obviously, you know, they're the one seed. They're 14-2. and two. They've got Patrick Mahomes. Um, I'll call them 14 and one if we're going to throw out the last game, but you know, Clyde Edwards, Elaire's hurt. They've been in a lot of close games. At some point you play in enough close games, you're going to have to lose one. Um, maybe they won't have to, maybe they'll win it all. I mean, they are the favorite, but that's, that's a long stretch of games that you're just barely winning. And some of those teams aren't even all that great. I think the, the AFC, especially Buffalo, who I know is, um, you know, they haven't faced off against yet. I mean, they're, it's a lot of close games to be in, Andrew. At some point, you're playing enough close ones, it's going to bite you. I, I agree with that, but I guess I would go this way. You remember when we used to talk about the Warriors and how bored they were during the regular season? Is there a chance that KC is bored right now and, and these regular season games against the Raiders just don't feel meaningful to them? It's, it's, because it's they, possible. Because they already feel like, 
you it's, know, yeah, the Super Bowl. It's possible, out. but I think I think in the end, I think in football that can end up catching up with you, even in the playoffs, because if you you kind of lull yourself enough, can you flip that switch? In the NBA, you can get away with maybe not flipping it right away because you've got seven games to figure out in a series. One bad Sunday, if you come out a little slow, you know, and you're playing a team that just happens. I mean, the the Bills are playing really good football right now. I mean, I'm with you that that the Chiefs are the favorite, but I'm just giving you some reasons to look at why it it might. Like you said, you want to be contrary, and you could say, well, if you look at you know the, the last seven games they won, they didn't win a single one by board six points. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, you found the contrarian argument, but I just really think it's KC, and and I think the Saints are a really good team, and I think the Saints might have the best chances to represent the NFC. I just, I don't know. You know, the Saints postseason is not exactly, the past few years hasn't been full of success. It's heartbreak. been full of disappointment just and heartbreak. complete and heartbreak. The question is whether that's more of the same or, or if the team's going to win one for, for Drew. I really just don't know. It's been a, such a weird year. You know, anything can happen. And, you know, even if you're all your running backs are out, you still might go to a running back that runs for 100 yards and and he still may end up pounding a team by like 20. So this is a year, man. This is the year for anything can happen. And, and maybe Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl. And, and that feels maybe a Josh Allen Buffalo Bills team can win a Super Bowl. And I think uh, two or three years ago, we would have had our jaws on the floor if someone would have told us that. Amen. Josh Allen has just gotten better and better. The Bills are legit. They haven't won a playoff game in 25 years. Cleveland hasn't been to the playoffs in 18 years and the last time they were they lost to what i call their big brother the pittsburgh steelers who they face this week you've got triple headers on both sides who is a team that you think could surprise some folks in the postseason maybe not win it all but just just surprise some folks you know what no one's seeing them maybe make a run to the conference championship game but andrew says look out for them <sighs> you know i I think the Cleveland Browns, you know, if they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers next week, I would not be shocked. Not shocked at all. You know, this is a Cleveland team that's played really well this season. You know, look at that Tennessee Titans game. I mean, that's what we can, you know, that's the best version of the Cleveland Browns this year is what happened in that Tennessee Titans game when Baker Mayfield just went off like crazy. And I know people want to point to, you know, this weekend, but, you know, COVID has really run them hard over the last two weeks yes Cleveland lost to the Jets uh yes they they barely beat a Pittsburgh team who was playing with Mason Rudolph at quarterback but you know they weren't in they didn't practice hardly at all going into last week and I don't think it's fair to judge um, either of those two games on what this team can be so I think Cleveland's kind of a big wild card mystery and they still won what 11 games this year I mean, it's an amazing season for Cleveland. And I think it's a little bit of a feel-good story from the fact that you have a, a franchise that has just been the laughing stock of the NFL. They're just a few years removed from not even winning a game. And here Baker Mayfield has got this team heading towards the, the playoffs. Or uh, heading, yeah, they're in the playoffs. So that's the one team I think I would go with. Uh, Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's going to just, they're going to put it on them. They're going to put it on them. It's going to happen, Andrew. I'm just letting you know Cleveland is going to Cleveland. They made it this far, but, man, I just – I don't know. And they, they just lost one of their best pass rushers. I think I think Cleveland uh, – and, and I also think there's something to – when you celebrate so hard because you finally made it to the party, right, 
Um, you're you, you, like Cleveland's really excited to be there. Pittsburgh's not excited to be there, right? They're there for a reason, right? Pittsburgh wants to wants to leave with the party with what they went to uh, to accomplish, and I think I think that build up for Cleveland and just the fan base going banana. I think it's I think it's going to catch up with them Sunday, man. But uh, we will see. We will see. I, I the Rams are interesting to me because if golf plays. That D line they have is they're 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 good enough to just wreak havoc. And you know, if you have a D line that can wreak havoc and, and slow down another quarterback or a run game, and that's something that I think your your top three teams in the NFC, they've all done well this year, right? Saints ranked sixth in rushing in the NFL, Packers eighth. I think the Seahawks are at eleventh. Tampa Bay's way at the bottom. But I think the Rams now look, if golf can't play and you know, you've got this former CFL guy starting in a playoff game against Seattle. I mean, they're familiar with Seattle, but um, it's not like golf is, is, is an all pro or anything, but there's just a big drop off between him and the next guy. So the Rams to me, and I don't like the Rams. All right. But I think in the NFC, they could make a little noise. And if they're playing in the NFC title game, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if they went up and, and even upset the Packers. Um, it also would surprise me if they lose Sunday, especially if golf isn't playing. But that's kind of the team I would say, you know what, under the radar. And ironically, I'm surprised neither of us, maybe I should have just done it, is Baltimore the most slept-on team right now, Andrew, right? Nah. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in Baltimore. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, I've seen them play enough games this year to be so unimpressed by that offense. Lamar Jackson is not having the MVP season he had a year ago. He's just that offense just doesn't click. Lamar has been um, fairly inaccurate. It just hasn't been that offense just isn't clicking for me. Uh, I don't believe in Baltimore for one second, not for one, but ironically you were taking the Rams as as a sleeper team. If I was picking an NFC sleeper team, it's actually the Seahawks. And I will say this at one point this year, I thought the Seahawks were the best team in the NFC. And then the you know, the second half of that season, that team really mellowed out and was uh, less than exciting. I think if you can get, if the Seahawks can get back to where they were at the beginning of the season, when all the Russell cooking jokes were being made, I think that's a team to really watch out for. ESPN1420.com. Andrew Clay from KTC TV3 is our guest. Andrew, um, we visited with uh, Acadiana High Coach Matt McCullough earlier this hour. You know, I know that, that high school football ended uh, week, you know, week before New Year's uh, after Christmas. But just real quick, they have four area teams win state titles, go four for four between Acadiana, Karen Crow, STM, LCA, a number of those teams uh, with with uh, perfect seasons. You you guys cover high school football so closely at TV3. Were there any surprises to you? Are you expecting four for four? I mean, how good has high school football been in this area in a year where many weren't sure or didn't think it was even going to happen? I definitely won't say I was expecting four for four, but none of those results surprised me. Uh, I, I knew the Karen Crow car game would be a good one. I expected a good game and I did not expect Edna Carr to run over them. I know some people were saying to me when I got to that game, you know, there were some people in the stands just, you know, pointing out like, Oh, this is going to be, you know, another car steamroll. And I was pretty much saying I wouldn't count on that. Karen Crow was a really good team, but all of these teams are really good. So the fact that they all won championships, none of that actually surprised me. But if you'd have told me we had four teams win state championships, even mid season, I would have been surprised. You know, that's the most from this area. 
But Acadian has been a hotbed. I think it's 13 state football championships now in four years. That's a lot. It's been a really productive area for high school football as of late. And this was a great season for area teams. And a team like Church Point had every argument to be playing in that 3A championship. You know, that the way that Church Point semifinal game ended was, was so controversial and so kind of crazy. Um, you know, it landed to a coach getting a, a sportsman life for arguing the call. I mean, it was just a great season for our area teams. And then to get those four championships, Acadiana, St. Thomas, Moore, LCA, and Karen Crow, they're all close. Like, that was the other thing. Like, you know, you mentioned close games a minute ago about how, you know, uh, close games can go either way. Those games could have all gone either way. They were absolutely close, nail-biting games. You know, Acadiana got needed, what, a, a, a penalty on a two-point conversion to not lose because they had fallen behind by one point in those final seconds. But the the – a legal formation call, you know, redo, interception, and then St. Thomas Moore had the hold off De La Salle's charge. Like, those games were bonkers. They were some of the most exciting state football championships I think the LHSA has seen from, from a whole. And it was a great year for, for our teams. I, it, was a, it was a really exciting year. And honestly, there's no reason to believe that these teams can't really run it back. Like, you know a kid game is always going to be there to run it back you know LCA is always going to be good. And, you know, they did that championship without Sage Ryan. Yeah, that, that's, you know, pretty, they, yeah that, 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 that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. It's, it's just uh, been an incredible season. Andrew Clay has been our guest, KTC TV3 Sports Director. Uh, and, Andrew, before we let you run, man, I wanted to talk a little hoops with you. Um, starting with the Cajuns, you know, first weekend in the books of this, this current one-year format, God willing, of the back-to-back games, Friday, Saturday, same opponent. They're doing it to, you know, limit COVID-19 exposure. They're trying to get the season in. Uh, talked to Coach Marlin and Coach Broadhead yesterday. You know, they're they're just rolling with it. You know, they had to adjust how they practice. Obviously, conditioning is different and trying their best to avoid injuries. But it really makes for a unique season in terms of knowing your opponent and everything else. What do you make of, of the first weekend of conference play for the Cajuns? Both the men and women split, but what did you make of it, and what kind of impact do you think it, it's going to have on either team that perhaps in a, a normal year, quote normal, it wouldn't, if that makes sense? Uh, I, it is, it's, it's strange. This whole scheduling thing is, is definitely strange, and I think you're going to see a lot more splits. I think you're going to see a lot of series splits, teams winning, you know, one and one. And we saw that in the opening weekend. You know, the first weekend of play only, was it ULM and, and A-State men's basketball? Those are the only teams that were able to win both their games. Every other team in the Sun Belt Conference split. And that was on the men's and women's side. So I think we're going to see a lot of splits. It's really different. You know, obviously you heard Coach Marlin talk yesterday about you know, rotations and conditioning. And I think conditioning certainly played a role in, in Saturday's I'm trying to remember which day it was Saturday's loss because Devin Butts was a guy who went out there Friday night and shot lights out. And Devin Butts, I think is a wild card on this team. He's a, a player who can certainly shoot the three when he's feeling it. And, you know, some days he's not feeling it as much, but you know, you saw him shoot the ball so well on Friday. And then he went over five from three over seven from the game. And, you know what they say about bat, you know, shooters who can't connect, it's tired legs. 
And I think that was certainly a factor in what happened on, on Saturday. And this is a team that's just not shooting the ball particularly well early in the season. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to what they've been able to do and how they've been so successful still when their three-point shooting numbers are just very uh, – they're daunting right now. You know, to, um, not to Marcus Russell, but Cedric Russell. Cedric Russell is shooting, I think, like 28% from three. I think Malik Wilson is sub-20%. I mean, those are your two leading scorers. Those are the two guys you expect to shoot the ball the best as well because they're both good shooters. I know Malik Wilson isn't as pure of a three-point shooter as Ced is, but – you, know, you expect said to be out there in the 30s to 40 range, um, and you expect to see that every every game. But he's just he's not shot the ball particularly well, and and I do think some of that um, I, it's not. I mean, some of that's not to be credited on. You know, you can't blame the scheduling on any of that yet because you know we're just now getting into conference play. But that's something they're going to have to try to figure out. Um, and more than anything, I know I think Bob Marlin and I think that team is so deep. They're going to figure out the rotation stuff. They're going to figure out how to preserve legs and bodies. And, you know, they're still playing without Kobe Julian. And when they get him back, that's going to be a huge lift to the offense. A huge lift. He's arguably the best player on that team. You know, I, I love Malik Wilson. love Cedric Russell. We saw what we've seen of Kobe Julian when he's been in the games this year, uh, last season. He's a really good player. So I do think the rotation, I think Marlon's going to have all that stuff figured out. What I don't know, though, is can they get shooting figured out? Because they're going to need to get shooting figured out if they're going to compete at the top end of the Sun Belt. And then Coach says, they're, you know, shots look great in practice. There's just some sort of disconnect when they get into the court. That is something that needs solved. And that's not to be – and you can't blame that on the scheduling this year. Although uh, you, could, you might be once we get into the, into the meat of conference play. But so far, the way they've struggled shooting the ball, that, you know, that's, that's all in shooters. That's not on scheduling right now. Good stuff, Andrew Clay, ESPN 1420. I know – Gary Broadhead squad on the road again this week, but uh, how they bounced back last Saturday and winning the way they did was impressive. They should get Ty Ducey back this week, as he said. And those games at Little Rock, I mean, they've kind of most years, uh, a lot of years, been the standard in the Sun Belt, a lot of history there. We'll have those games for you guys on our airwaves beginning this Friday with the first of the two, 630 uh, tip-off, 615 pregame for the women here and for the men, 6 o'clock tip-off, 530 pregame for the men over on our sibling station, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. All right, Andrew, we're only seven games into the season for uh, a lot of these NBA teams. <laughs> How do you feel about the Pelicans after a 4-3 and three start? Well, a lot of good, a lot of bad. Zion's been great. Uh, Zion has been absolutely magnificent. There's nothing bad to say to me about what Zion Williamson has done. You know, look at the other night. I love it. I mean, one of my favorite plays I've ever seen basketball. The other night when he had that in the Pacers game, when he had that block, saved the ball from going out of bounds, started the fast break, and then finished it with an alley-oop. I mean, <laughs> that was a perfect Zion Williamson play. And, you know, in hockey, if, you know, they give you, you know, two, the last two touches get assists, Zion could have gotten an assist on, a, on that play. You know, I, 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 I love Zion, but I don't – I actually don't agree with you. I think he's – I think there's a lot. I don't. I don't think he's been magnificent this year. I think he's had his moments, but his field goal percentage around the rim is 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 a, a a bit lower than it was last season when he came in. I mean, he's. We heard so much about his conditioning, and and you know he only played 32 minutes in regulation against Indiana, and he's starting overtime on the bench instead of on the floor because Stan Van felt like Adams gave him the better chance. I 
I think I think there's still I don't know. Look, the future obviously is is tied to him and Ingram and 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 I love Zion, but I don't think that he has been magnificent through the first seven games. I'm I'm seeing a lot of growing pains, in my opinion. Well, I think you're also grading Zion based on what he did last year. And I don't think that's fair because some of the stuff we saw Zion do last year just seemed like rookies aren't supposed to be playing like that. You know, we look at last year, if if Zion plays a full season, you know, he's winning rookie of the year. He is maybe breaking some rookie records. Like I, I don't, I don't necessarily judge Zion on what he did last year. And I'm, I'm trying to look at what Zion's doing in the context that you've got a new offense, you've got a new system, new coaching, a really different cast. And I think he's been, been really good. I, I think it's a sophomore year. It's the slump season. I'm giving Zion uh, a solid B plus A minus here. Um, I don't give much higher grades than that. You can ask Seth Lewis about that later. But uh, you know, Adams has been great. He has been absolutely great. Um, it's he has been such a surprise, though. Don't you think? Like you knew he was going to be good, but I don't know if, if we knew he was going to necessarily play at this high level. Yeah, he's he's impacting the game. I mean, he's probably been their second best player this season through uh, seven games. Now, I don't think he's the second best player on the team. I think uh, it's probably Zion. But so far through seven games, it's it's been Stephen Adams. I think Bi has clearly been the best, and he's I think he's shown off a lot more uh, a wider range, right? A repertoire of whether it be facilitating his passing ability, which we're seeing a lot more of this year. So I, um, it's, it's a growth thing, new staff work in progress, but man, that, that loss Monday night was so damn frustrating. We'll see what, uh, we'll see what they can do tonight as, uh, as they're back in action this evening against OKC. And then they'll play Charlotte Friday. I'll actually get to see the game. I'll be there and, uh, in person and, uh, have my mask on and socially distance and see what it's like to take in an NBA game, where the majority of the stands are empty. Ought to be weird. Hopefully, it's a win. Andrew Clay has been our guest. Check out what he, Seth, the crew are doing over at KTCTV3 at Andrew Clay TV on Twitter. That's the handle. Uh, Andrew, I always appreciate the time, man. Uh, Thanks for it, and look forward to talking to you again soon, all right? Appreciate it, Scott. Thank you.